we're going to go, uh, we're going to head on with our series um, tonight. Um, I, I just can't believe that I got that word wrong. I'm just really, whoa, where are we? There we are. Um, yes, so we're going to move on. <laughs> you think, and I don't, and that's probably part of my problem. Um, <laughs> and that is why uh, I'm doing the sermon on perseverance, because um, perseverance um, really is about living a life that's worth it. And so uh, I want to talk a bit more about that tonight. Uh, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, we've had both uh, my wife, India, and um, Janelle, who's not my wife, uh, preaching the last two weeks on this series um, about thinking and why thinking matters. India sort of started us off that thinking matters um, and why our thought life is important, why it's important to think about that stuff, um, to think about our thinking. And then uh, Janelle kind of got us to have a look at the spiritual battle over our minds, and she talked about the armour of God. Um, so this is week three of five. Uh, Tim Neal is going to preach uh, the next couple of weeks to kind of wrap up the series. So I'm looking at, well, okay, we kind of understand at the first level that, yes, our thought life is important. We get that. Yes, there's even a spiritual battle over our thought life. But tonight we're going to look at, well, how do we persevere? How do we push through the hard times and live a life that's worth it? Because sometimes it just seems we're just doing the same old thing every day, Got to have a quiet time, got to brush my teeth, got to have a shower, got to go to the toilet, got to be nice to my wife, got to be a youth pastor, got to be nice to people at church, got to have coffee with people. You know, he's just going through the motions. And um, I guess what I want to look at tonight is how do we do that? Why do we persevere? And then looking at, you know, whether it's worth it, like living a life that's worth it. So why don't we, um, I know we've prayed a lot tonight, but why don't we just focus on God right now and ask him to speak to us. Father, we just give this uh, message to you, Father. I pray that you would speak to hearts tonight. Father, you have called us to this moment. You have set us up for this moment right now. God, this is an opportunity when we come to church, we open ourselves up to another opportunity to not only receive from you, but to receive from the people that you've already touched in this way, God. And I pray that uh, through our interactions later at dinner and through this message, God, that you would really speak to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So perseverance. I mean, sometimes it's really easy to persevere. Again, I'm going to go back to my trip to Uganda. I'll talk about that till the day I die on this earth. I tell you, I loved it. It was great. Uh, we're planning to go back again this year. Um, my friend Freddie down the back there um, basically... Um, invited us in a way to come and do gents camp in Uganda and many of you guys came, many of you guys supported us financially. And it was one of those things where it was a pretty impossible mountain to climb. We needed to raise $30,000. We had 333 boys come on three camps in three weeks. We had um, uh, issues that happened over there. But God just seemed to do everything. I, I really felt like I didn't have to work very hard. Certainly uh, Freddie's wife, Carrie Ann, who kind of did a lot of the admin. We, her and I were so surprised that we didn't really have to lift a finger to fundraise. Like, we just put it on the internet and people just went, here, here's 30 grand. Uh, this year we have to raise, at this stage it looks like we have to raise 47 and a half grand. Uh, we might have to do a bit of fundraising this year, but who knows? Who knows? God is amazing. Maybe he'll just do the same thing again. And I pray right now that God would give us the funds we need to go back. At this stage there are 507 kids that are coming to the camps over there. So at least pray for us when we're over there this year. But that wasn't hard. It was fun. I mean, how cool is it to be uh, in another country? It was so different. 
Um, I feel like their lifestyle is just so much more godly. Um, no offense, Australians. Um, I felt like it, I, even the weather was nice. Um, some of the food, well, you know, let's talk about that later. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, it was just such a great place. It wasn't hard to do. But then, oddly enough, we came back here. Um, Lydia touched on it before. The first night the Pace team came to youth group, between the two youth groups, we had 160 kids come to youth group. And most youth pastors would dream about those numbers and pray for those numbers. I'm not one of those youth pastors. Um, I was like panicking and worried and anxious. And um, to be honest, I wasn't giving it all to God. And I, I reflected on that later. Um, that's one of the reasons to get married. So you've got a spouse that goes, oh, it's okay. Did you pray about it? No, I didn't. Well, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> and then we pray about it. But... Um, the power went out that night. Like There was only the lights in here. There was no uh, air conditioning. It was one of those really hot nights. I think that's why the power went out. Um, so there was no lights. So I had to try and cram everybody in here. No microphones were working, so we had to kind of yell, use the megaphone. It was nuts. It was organized chaos. Um, of course, looking at the long-term goal, though, and this is what we have to start doing in Perseverance, is looking at the long-term goal was... A, did the kids have fun? Yeah, they had, they had a ball. They got to do an obstacle course in the dark for half the night. And B, did they grow closer to Jesus? Well, yeah, because they had a fun night. They enjoyed youth group. They grew with the leaders, and therefore that pushes them forward in their faith. So God still achieves his purposes in that. So I want to look at why do we persevere? And I've kind of already touched on it there, but let's have a look at um, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And here's the part I want us to look at. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Here's the clue. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So there we start by seeing why we persevere. That Jesus has started in us a faith in God. He's the pioneer of our faith. You see, one of the things that drew me to Jesus when I was about 16 years old was the fact that there is no other hope. Think about it. People put their hope in their family, but family can fail. Family can pass away. People put their hope in money, but we don't always have money. We can run out. We don't always have enough and we want more and more. People put their hope in friends, but friends can fail us or move away. People put their hope in resources or other people. But our only hope is Jesus because Jesus is the only one that will never desert us. You know, there are times, I mean, I've got a great, uh, uh, to be honest, I, I, I love my marriage. I love my wife. I'm not getting up here and lying about that. But there are times when we both try and call each other and we can't get to each other because we're at work or we're talking to someone else or we're in the middle of something or we haven't got our phone with us. We're not always able to be there for each other. We fail each other, even not meaning to. But God is always there. Jesus is our only hope. He's the only one that never fails us. He's the only one that's with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of eternity. He's our only hope. He's the pioneer of our faith. He's the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, we're going to go from there. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, just back up for a minute, right? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I don't know about you, if you've seen The Passion of the Christ or some kind of Jesus movie, or even if you've pictured what it would like to be die on a cross, what it would like to die, what it would... 
I can't applicate the words properly. Um, <clears throat> dying on a cross would be bad. <laughs> I'm the children's pastor. I'm going to speak in kids' language. I mean, it would, it would be awful. It would be painful. It would be horrible. But the Bible says that for the joy set before him, Jesus did it. For the joy set before him? It was Jesus' joy to buy us at a price. He was willing to pay the price that we might be with him. That instead of us getting the punishment of our sin that we so deserve, Jesus Christ took the punishment for us. That we might be in relationship, in true and full relationship with God. It was his joy to do that for you, my friends. It was his joy to do that for me. It was his joy to do that for your family that don't know the Lord yet. And your friends, scorning its shame, and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And here's the encouragement to us of why we persevere. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If Jesus can endure the cross, can endure the lashes, the spitting, not just the physical pain, but the emotional pain of a people that had turned away from him by choice, if Jesus can endure that, then we can endure anything. It was Jesus' joy to persevere for us, and that's why we persevere too. Why do we persevere? Because Jesus, that's why. Jesus loves us. He gives us the strength. He is perfecting our faith, which means it's hard, but at times it's easy as well, and sometimes it's a joy, but sometimes it's hard. It's that kind of duality that kind of is going on in there. But we persevere because Jesus perseveres. So how do we persevere? Well, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which is um, the basis of our series that we're looking at. And I want to look at it again. Um, India touched on it a couple of weeks ago. And it says, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds hard. That sounds like hard work, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, that means daily, like constantly, as we are living, surrender, 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 surrender to God. That sounds like hard work, and I'm here to tell you that it is hard work. It does require effort. I think sometimes we get sold a lie in the church that we don't have to do anything. Now, in terms of salvation, yes, that's true. In terms of salvation, Jesus has done it all. We simply say yes, but we don't have to strive for salvation. True, a true Christian does not do works to get into heaven. There is no works that you can do that will get you into heaven. That's the difference between Christianity and Jehovah's Witness and Buddhism and Islam and all these other religions. They all say you have to do this, 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 then you can get into heaven. But Christianity, the Bible says that you simply accept Jesus. So we're talking about fullness of life. We're talking about living a life that is full. We're talking about living a life that actually enables us to really experience what God has for us. Because you know what? Everybody in the world is seeking one thing. Everyone. You know what that is? To feel good. To have fulfillment. To, 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 to be satisfied in some way. That's what everybody is searching for. We want to be happy. I mean, look at, I mean go on Facebook right now and scroll through and find out the, the negative things and the positive things. Even uh, people that don't know Jesus are putting on there. And you can see that everybody's searching for this thing. Well, I believe it's Jesus. And I don't, know, I don't believe that it's always going to be easy with him, but I believe that he gives us that fullness of life. So surrendering to him, yes, it requires effort. But have a look at the next part. 
It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And here's this bit here. Then you'll be able to test and approve what's, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Maybe I can answer that, what that means, with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You see, one of the things we have to remember is that God has a radical plan for every one of us. I know the youth kids are like, oh, here we go, the radical plan for our lives. You talk about this all year, and I'm going to keep talking about it, and you're going to be 50, and I'm going to be dead. But maybe when you're 40 and I'm still preaching, I will still be saying this, that God has a radical plan for every one of us, and it's different. And let's stop comparing ourselves to one another in that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for every one of us. It's, it's, it's what we pursue when we persevere. Okay? In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. People, like parents, a lot of parents come up to me and they see what's happening at youth group and they see the chaos and they see kids everywhere. And oftentimes, probably at least once a fortnight, a parent will say to me, oh my gosh, I don't know how you do this. And that makes sense because that's not their calling. That's my calling on my life. I love it. I don't care. I, I know you guys know, I love the naughty kids especially. I love when they just run up and they're like, Josh, and they like charge at me. I had three of them jump at me on Friday night and knock me onto the stage and break a few things, but don't tell Dave. But like, um, <laughs> you know, like I love that. Like that, uh, that, that's why I do it, you know? One of the reasons I do uh, follow that is because God has put me in a place where his good and pleasing and perfect will is, is, is being shown. And it's messy and it's hard. There are some nights, like a few weeks ago, that I feel like quitting and I feel like giving up. I, don't, I, think India's gonna, I don't think I'm going to see India in heaven, man. She's going to be way ahead of me with a crown because she has to put up with me going, yeah, 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 and complaining and whinging and all this and just to vent it all out because I'm an extrovert. And then at the end, she's like, I know. I'm like, oh, thanks. Uh, and I don't know, but thanks for putting up with me. And Charlie, my friend Charlie at the back, does the same thing. Um, sometimes India just like pretends she's doing things, but Charlie always is like, yeah, I know. And thanks, Charlie. When India's not there for me, you are there for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true. Anyway, all right, I digress. What I'm trying to say is this. When you find out what God's plan for your life is, it actually makes it easier. And I know that's a big question, but that's another sermon. We can talk about that some other time. But when you do latch on to what God is calling you to do, it makes it worth it. I was talking to some of my youth leaders this afternoon at our youth leaders meeting, and they were saying, you know, man, I love youth group. It's one of my favorite times in the week. And I love their frustration when they talk to people from other churches or their own family or people in this own church. And they're like, oh, man, they're like, why do you do that? Man, that's hard. They give up your Friday night. But they love it because they get it because they're following the plan that God has for their life. And I guess if you don't follow the plan that God has for you, if he tells you what to do and you don't do it, then you'll just get swallowed by a whale. Because that's what happened to Jonah. Expected a few more laughs, but never mind. Um, think about that story, though. We've been teaching this to our youth group, right? That, you know, God says to Jonah um, in the Bible, he says, go to Nineveh and preach destruction. I mean, these people have oppressed you. They've done terrible things to your people. So go to Nineveh and tell them they're all going to die in 40 days. But Jonah says, no, I'm not even going to do that. They don't even deserve that. He runs away. Um, you know, a few things happen. He gets on a ship to go to Spain. 
He gets thrown overboard because they realize that God is, God is after him and God wants you to do something, man. He's going he's gonna to get you to do it. And of course, Jonah gets swallowed by, the Bible says a big fish, but it was probably a whale. He's in there for three days and uh, that's a bit of an allusion to Jesus coming as well. You know, the, the, his death on the cross, his resurrection after three days, that kind of thing. Um, every, every youth group boy's favorite Bible verse, Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. And then the Lord caused the whale to vomit Jonah up on dry land. And they're like, yeah, vomit. And then our question on, in our small groups on Friday night was, how many whales have vomited you up this week? And all the boys were like, yeah, I have all the year three boys. And they're like, I had 100 whales vomit me up this week. I just love it. But this is the crazy thing, right? Because that all happens. Jonah realizes, he repents. He says, yes, I was wrong. I should have gone to Nineveh. I should have followed what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is in my life. And so what he does is, is interesting because God says, cool, thanks. P.S., go to Nineveh and do what I told you. Like, I, I, yep, cool, but you still have to do it. And so he goes. And I think one of the most crazy things in the Bible happens in that moment. He goes to Nineveh. And the whole of Nineveh repents. The whole of Nineveh. And the king of Nineveh, who's this really evil guy, sends an edict to the whole of Nineveh. And they all come out. They all put on sackcloth and fast. That means they don't eat, including the animals. And they turn their hearts back to God because they say, maybe God will change his mind and relent from the calamity he's going to pour out on us. And the Bible says that God did exactly that. He changed his mind and he didn't pour out justice on them. And of course, if you read Jonah chapter 4, you'll see that Jonah cuts sick. He's like, what? This is not fair. He runs away again. He gets really angry. We don't really know what happened to Jonah after that. But the thing is, as humans, we want justice, right? That's what we want when we're persevering and bad stuff's happening. We want justice. A good example was I looked on the internet last week and something that really outraged me, I'm not a parent, but this would outrage me, was that this, uh, you might have seen this on the news, on news.com or something, where this little girl uh, went to daycare, or I think she was three or four, and uh, the mum sent like a healthy lunch and a piece of cake to school. I don't know if you saw this story. And the little girl brought the lunchbox home, and in it was a little note with a sad smiley saying, oh dear, your child had a naughty, uh, a red food today, and therefore we took it off her and gave her something healthy. And uh, <laughs> that outrageous me, and I love... I follow a lady named Melinda Tankard-Rice on Facebook. She's an awesome Christian lady. She does great things for, for women and the rights of young women and is really battling against like, the sexualization of young girls and stuff. And I love it because she posted this. And, like, she's a really good, godly woman. And she wrote, My friend sent me this today. I told her to send her daughter to school tomorrow with two pieces of cake and tell them to get lost. And I was like, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd send them with just cake. I'd send them with a whole cake and say, by the way, this is for everybody else in the class. Because our natural response is we want justice. And I'm not saying that's wrong, by the way. I think that there's probably better ways to deal with it than that. But, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong to want justice. But have a look at God, what God does. See, we want justice in situations. Jonah wanted justice against Nineveh. And God could have poured out punishment upon Nineveh. They deserved it. They deserved punishment. But instead, God poured out grace, and that caused them to change so that they'd never do it again. I mean, think about that for a moment, right? God could pour out punishment and kill them and destroy them. But instead, he pours out grace, which changes them so that it never happens again. I mean, what's more of a testimony? God's going to kill you if you do that? Or actually, if you let God into your heart, he'll change you so that you are a completely new person. I wonder what you want, church, as you persevere. Do you want God to punish you? 
Or do you want him to change you so that you don't do those bad things again? I know what I want. And it's hard because there are still things that I'm doing now at my age that I was doing when I was a teenager. There are still things that I'm doing. And I wish that I could change them. And I pray and ask God to do that. And slowly but surely, I run into old people and they say, wow, you've changed. Some of you guys, you're like, man, you're still the same guy you were a few years ago. But people that, people that see us maybe from a different time, like, and maybe this happens to some of you guys as well. You see friends from school you haven't seen for a few years and they're like, wow, there's something different about you. They can see the hand of God in your life. So God's way of justice is a little bit different from us. So when we're persevering, these things can distract us. I want to have a look at a quick list of people that uh, persevered. My clickers stopped working. I think maybe they might have clicked out of the thing. There we go. Have a look at the people that persevered here. Noah took 100 years to build the ark. I love telling little kids this, that Noah was 500 when he started building the ark, and he was 600 when he finished. What? How old was he when he died? 950. <laughs> That's actually all true. <laughs> That's the weird part. Uh, Daniel pretty, pretty much spent his whole life in captivity. He went into uh, the kingdom of Babylon when he was about, I don't know, 17, 18, 19, 20, somewhere around there, and stayed there his whole life. Joseph. Uh, Joseph's story is amazing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, I think you've got to click back onto the thing for me because I'm running out of stuff. Joseph spent two years in jail when the cupbearer forgot to tell uh, Pharaoh to let him out. Um, no, sorry, go back. Is it me again now? I think this may be flat. Actually, that might be what the problem is. Um, so Joseph, uh, yeah, so I don't know if you know that story, um, but basically what happened was Joseph was in jail. This is Joseph in the Old Testament, not Jesus' father. Um, but he was in jail with uh, the cupbearer or the waiter, the butler of the king, whatever you want to call him. Uh, the butler had a dream, the cupbearer had a dream, and Joseph interpreted it. God gave him the meaning of that dream. And then what happened was, he, Joseph said to him, now when you get released from jail today, as per the prophecy I've given you, remember me so that I can be let out as well. But the cupbearer completely forgot about Joseph for two years. I mean, you imagine sitting in jail for two years just waiting. He was wrongly in jail. He was accused of adultery with the king's wife, which he hadn't committed. And he sat in there for two years. I mean, it's a long time. There's some other ones up there. I mean, Job. Job had pretty much everything go wrong. <laughs> read the story. Read chapter one of Job and see how you go. I mean, that's nuts. Um, Jesus, Jesus himself was deserted by all of his disciples in his final hours when he was arrested. They all denied him. They all left him. Let's go to the next one, which says that persevering is worth it. You see, we think that perseverance means, oftentimes, if we look at those things, we often think, well, I've got to be better. I've got to be better than I am right now. I've got to be more like Janelle Thomas. I've got to be more like India Lack. I've got to be, maybe I should be, oh man, like maybe if I was Bill Johnson, I'd be okay. Maybe if I was, you know, Mike Bickle, then I would scream the whole time I'm preaching. But I would, you know, maybe I'd be better off. Maybe, I love Mike Bickle, by the way. It's just, well, if you're following on in paragraph A, well, you know, persevering is worth it. It's like, whoa, just calm it down a little bit. Anyway. We think we have to be someone else. But church, let me encourage you with something. God has a good and pleasing and perfect will for you. But it's different from me. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a youth kid on Friday night. He was like, oh, Josh, I, always wish, I wish I was more like you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be the worst. One of me is enough. Come on, man. But this is what people do. They want to compare each other. Persevering is not about becoming someone else. It's about working on what God's plan is 
for your life. And God has a radical plan for each one of you. I want to talk about um, my father-in-law for a moment, Uncle Des, um, who I really love. And he passed away about five or six weeks ago now. And um, it's been a hard time for our family. But something that really amazed me was that he, we had his memorial service here in this church. And it was full. It was packed with people. Let me tell you something about Uncle Des. He wasn't, um, he wasn't my uncle, by the way. We just, everyone called him. I think even India called him Uncle Des most of the time. Um, he wasn't a, a preacher. He didn't write any books. that You can't read books. You can't Google his name and, and find out about him. But he did things that even we didn't know about until we were sort of working through, looking at um, like a eulogy and that for him. Things like going to Papua New Guinea. Like we knew he'd gone there, but like he went there to build houses and, and help people out. Um, Indra and I have his Bible at home and the, the notes that he's written that are just pearls of wisdom. I mean, his life and his faith is still impacting us as we read through the notes he's put in his own Bible. Um, the fact that he would serve on music teams anytime he was asked, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night. People came that knew him years ago, that he'd touched their life. Things like I didn't even know that he'd helped out at Boys Brigade for many years with Graham Miller and the guys that come here now on Wednesday night. He helped them out for years doing, you know, making things, crafting things, doing spiritual input stuff and just making a little difference. Why? Because God touched his life and he followed God in the little things. And that's the legacy that he leaves behind, which I'm very proud of. And it makes me think this. I mean, when you face the passing of a loved one, it kind of makes you start to think, what am I going to be remembered for? What am I persevering for? What are people going to say about Josh Lack at his funeral? What are people going to say about you at yours, at your funeral? I wonder, because that's what we persevere for. Not necessarily for our glory, because we won't even be there, <laughs> really. We'll be with Jesus if we believe in him. I mean, I, I, India said to me, what do you want at your funeral? I'm like, I don't care, I'll be dead. Do what you want. <laughs> Except I do like, I can only imagine by mercy me, but that's just a side note. Just that one song. Everything else is fun. But you know, people are going to be talking about the legacy that we leave. And that's why we persevere. Why? Not because necessarily that Des was an amazing person, even though he was, but because what God did through him impacted lots and lots and lots of people. And I want it to be that when God touches my life and I'm persevering, I'm pushing through the hard times, I'm pushing through when the power goes out at youth group, I'm pushing through when people in my family pass away all of a sudden, I'm pushing through all these other things, trying to help the pains team get their heads around their role. I'm pushing through all these things and persevering because God has touched my life and I want people to see that and I want people to feel that and I want people to know that. Last thing, James chapter 1, verse 12. This is why we persevere. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen, amen, amen. That we persevere because Jesus has a crown of life that he has promised to all of us that follow him. There is nothing greater than that that we might live forever. This life is hard. This life is really hard. Stuff goes wrong. Some of you are struggling with terrible things. And I pray that God would allow you to come out from those things because they're really hard. Relationship problems, mental health issues, families that suck, even people in our own church who may even be oppressing you with different things. But blessed is the one who perseveres under trial 
because they will receive the crown of life that God has for us. It's not about my glory, it's about his. And when I focus on his glory, God does amazing things. I don't care really what people think of me. I don't really care what they think, what they say at my funeral. I won't be there. But I do care about what God is doing. And I do care about how he's impacting those around me through my life. And when we focus on him and we fix our eyes on the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, actually all those things take care of themselves. Automatically, people are drawn to you. Automatically, people want to be part of what you're doing. Not because you're great, because God is great in you. There is nothing great about me. I promise you that. When Paul said that he was the worst of sinners in the Bible, he had not met me yet. I promise you that. God is doing something amazing. Let's have the team come back up. God is doing something amazing in this church. Something radically amazing. Something that I don't even understand what it is yet. And maybe, I, maybe God's not going to reveal that to us. But he's touching hearts and he's changing lives. Not to build Rivers Church of Christ, because Rivers Church of Christ won't be in heaven. Did you know that? But the kingdom of God will be in heaven. There won't be any churches individual in heaven. But the kingdom of God, the church, the bride of Christ will come together as one and worship him day and night forever and ever. And I don't know how that looks. I don't know if it'll be us singing the whole time because some of you aren't very good singers, to be honest. But, um, but God's glory will be revealed and God's glory will be what we're after for eternity. That's why we persevere. So tonight I want to challenge you. And I actually would ask that you, maybe you guys stand up with me right now. Let's stand. I want to challenge you, if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've been like, you know, I've heard about him, or maybe this is the first time you've heard about him, and you've never accepted him as your Lord and Saviour, can I say that he is your only hope? And I would encourage you tonight when we pray in a moment, I would encourage you to pray with me as we surrender to him. That's all it takes is that you ask him, God, Forgive me for the things I've done wrong. Forgive me for being like Nineveh and being somebody that turned away from you. Help me to follow you. But for many of you, for most of you, I'd say, who are following God, I want to encourage you tonight to persevere. I know it's hard. Believe me, I know it's hard. It's been such a hard year for my family. But let's push through together because God is good and His glory is being revealed in this place, in the lives of the people in this place. So let's pray. So I just encourage you, if you know the person next to you, I just encourage you maybe just to put your hand on their shoulder. You don't have to do that. But if you know the person next to you, maybe just put your hand around them and let's pray for each other as a church. Father, we just ask that you would come in a mighty way. Holy Spirit, fill us up right now. Just as you did when we sang Sing to Jesus before and the Spirit has lifted this place. We are not alone. We are not our old selves, but we are a new creation in Christ. We ask you, reveal your good and pleasing and perfect will for each one of us. Renew our minds. Transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we look forward to the day that we can join with Des and other people and receive the crown of life. But until that day comes, give us the strength to persevere. Show us the meaning of why we are still here, that your glory might be shown through us, that others might know you, 
that so many people will come to know Jesus because you, God, yourself have touched our lives and we have followed you into the dark places, into the hard places, through the tough stuff. But persevere because you are good. You are good. Give us faith. Those that are struggling to believe that right now, just pour out your spirit. Give them faith to understand that you are good. Thank you, Lord.